This is Glenda Meekins welcoming you to Light of Christ. Today we have Dr. Alan Hunt with us from Dynamic Catholic Institute. Welcome, Dr. Hunt. Good to be with you, Glenda. Thank you. So Dr. Hunt is an author of several books, including Confessions of a Megachurch Pastor, How I Discovered the Hidden Treasures of the Catholic Church, Everybody Needs to Forgive Somebody, and coming out next month, his new work, The Turning Point, a Bible study on the Gospel of John. So there are so many things I want to talk to you about. I'm, I'm going to try to narrow it down here. Before getting into the topic of some of the local upcoming um, Lenten missions um, where you're going to speak, I want to give a shout out to Lakeland because I just learned that you are from Lakeland and went to Lakeland High School. So you're one of our own homegrown in the diocese. That's what I'm saying. Home with the dreadnoughts. <laughs> so... I wanted to ask you briefly a little bit about your conversion from Methodist pastor, probably the largest mega church in the South, right? Mount Pisgah in Alpharetta, Georgia, to Catholic author and speaker. And you had this beautiful expression. You spoke of, you know, these mosaics of God encounters. And one of those encounters, um, which had a profound impact, was with the sisters, the Dominican sisters over at Our Lady of Grace Monastery in Connecticut, who prayed for you since you visited them in 1992. And this really speaks to the power of intercessory prayer. And I just wanted you to take a second to speak to that subject briefly, because I hear a lot of Catholics, they ask me about it, they have misunderstandings about what intercessory prayer is, and especially non-Catholics really don't understand it. So can you speak just briefly to what intercessory prayer is and, and why why we believe that? Yeah, the, the nuns, uh, the Dominican sisters there at Our Lady of Grace Monastery in North Guilford, Connecticut, are a really, really special group of ladies. There's, I don't know, 40 or 50 of them, and um, I did. I met them back in the early 90s, and through a Dominican friar, he and I addressed them. And from that point forward, they put a, a picture of my family and me on their bulletin board um, oh and began to pray for us each day and simply uh, interceded and, and asked God to, to work on us and to help us discover the beauty and the genius and the majesty of the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. And um, frankly, I didn't even know that they were praying for me for hmm. many for many of those years. It was only as I really began thinking about coming into the church that um, th- they shared that with me and just kind of chuckled, you know, we, well, we've been praying for you for a long time. <laughs> and they're a really, really special group of ladies who are have dedicated their entire lives to prayer. And as a former Protestant, I didn't have a category for that. People who had given mm-hmm. themselves over completely uh, to to prayer and to the devotion to the um, Blessed Sacrament and to, and to Jesus. And it's a powerful group of ladies. They're really, really special people. Well, and, you know, we hear biblically, you know, um, St. Monica was always praying for St. Augustine. We look in the Old Testament and, um, you know, every time, uh, was it uh, Moses that was holding up Nathan's hands? Remind me during the wars they're overlooking, um, every time the, the arms went down, you know, they, they would begin to lose the fight. And so there was intercessory prayer even all the way back to the Old Testament, right? Yeah, and then you think about St. Paul talking about praying without ceasing, and what, what does that really mean? Um, so the notion of really 
asking for God's intervention and interceding on people's behalf is it's all the way through scripture and all the way through church history. You're right. So this theme of prayer really is is going to permeate our our entire podcast because one of one of the books, well, your latest book, Dreams for Your Grandchild, The Hidden Power of a Catholic Grandparent, speaks of prayer as a source of strengthening a child's faith, in essence, through intercession again, right? Right. I mean, in a in a culture where oftentimes families are very scattered geographically, um, and grandparents' influence uh, can be lost, one of the things that I want to try to really help grandparents to understand is that we have a vocation from God. That being a grandparent is not just something we do; it's a vocation that God has given us, part of our vocation. Uh, and that e- even if we're scattered across the country, uh, we can be very intentional, very focused uh, in interceding on behalf of our grandchildren for for their faith life and for their decisions and for um, their dreams and their destinies. And this is another topic that really touches the heart of a lot of people. Their their children have fallen away from the church, or they see their grandchildren maybe not being catechized. Why did you write this book? And maybe give us a couple of hints um, or suggestions on how grandparents can help their grandchildren in living out their faith. Thanks, Glenda. Because, yeah, I wrote Dreams for Your Grandchild because, I mean, frankly, over the 11 years since I became Catholic, I started partnering with Matthew Kelly at Dynamic Catholic, which you mentioned. And so I travel a lot and I speak. And it struck me early on that it has been almost uniform in these 11 years um, of being Catholic that the single most frequent question I get comes uh, from people either if I have Q&A, um, one of the first questions is always this, or if I don't and somebody catches me in the hallway after after a talk, <laughs> it's almost always a grandparent with a very concerned look on his or her face saying, you know, I'm worried about my grandkids. I'm not sure that they're getting the faith. I'm worried about this toxic culture that they're growing up in. What can I do? And once I heard that, <laughs> once I heard that question <laughs> often enough, I thought, okay, well, maybe God's prompting something here. Uh, maybe I should, maybe I should pay attention. Um, and then about that same time, you know, it was several years ago when, when we received our first grandson, we now have four. Hmm. And, Congratulations. and I realized that, that this really is a unique vocation. This is a different season of our life for Anita and me, and it's a different season in our, in our vocation. And that the greatest mission field that God has given me, in spite of the fact that I get to speak in all kinds of settings, the single most important mission field that I have is are those grandchildren uh, to ensure that the faith that I have received is passed on to them. Um, and so, yeah, in the book, Dreams for a Grandchild, I share some of the research that shows the significant influence that grandparents have on their grandkids. And secondly, some very specific ways to be intentional about helping just to helping to love your grandkids so they understand love. Uh, and second of all, helping to, to share the faith with them and fulfill those dreams. Oh, sounds wonderful. So that brings me to your upcoming mission topic, Find Your Greatness, Four Habits That Will Transform Your Life. You joined Matthew Kelly, as you mentioned, at Dynamic Catholic Institute in 2011. And a year later, he published this book, Four Signs of a Dynamic Catholic, which is the foundation of your upcoming mission talks. Can you briefly explain a little bit about the premise of this book? Right. So so each of those talks, there'll there'll be sort of these four-hour events that'll have three talks in them. And we'll focus on these four life-changing habits, which were, uh, as you mentioned, shared by Matthew in, in that book that kind of published uh, some of the findings and, and the outcomes of a lot of research that we had done at Dynamic Catholic on Catholicism in America. And there are lots of spiritual habits that we can have, um, but what we found was that these four really have the greatest power to transform your life and to produce the greatest spiritual harvest in your life. 
And not that other spiritual habits are bad, but these four, if, if we can really dial in on these four and help people begin to embrace these, it changes their lives. It begins to change their families, their parishes, and their communities. So we'll, we'll have those three talks that will focus on um, those four life-giving habits and helping people not only to learn about them but to experience them. And then at the end of the day, they'll, they'll walk away with their own personal plan for the rest of Lent in terms of, Here's how I'm going to begin to live out one, not all four, but I'm going to begin to live out one of these habits more intentionally between now and the end of Lent to begin building our habits because our lives change when our habits change. So those four habits are prayer, study, generosity, and evangelization. And one of the amazing things I think about this book, too, is it talks about really looks at the difference between engaged and disengaged Catholics. And, and it's based on a lot of the studies that you all had done over the years. And I have to say, one of the most startling discoveries for me in reading was that just 7% of Catholics are accomplishing more than 80% of what we're doing today. I mean, that that is a stunning statement and almost really makes you feel like you're the only one fighting the good fight, you know. And so I think it's an ideal time at Lent for you to be coming and talking about this and helping us, you know, examine our lives, which is something we do at Lent, with our goal of going deeper in our relationship with God and consequently ensuring lasting change um, as we try to live out our, our Catholicity. So I know that um, I'd read a little bit that you have, no favorites, the right word, but perhaps a particular affinity with one of these principles, which is generosity. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share a little bit about why? Yeah, before I before I share that, Glenda, don't be don't be too disheartened that seven percent of us are generating eighty percent of the uh, results for the church in terms of the the financial resources and the time resources that's given. Because if we're getting this much done with seven percent, just imagine what we would get done <laughs> if eight percent of us. So this that's what we're true. trying to do is because these four habits really, I mean, they work for anybody, whether you're an engaged Catholic or not. And actually what they'll do is they'll make you a highly engaged Catholic. So, hmm. um, But, yeah, g- generosity um, really, more than anything else, revolutionized my relationship with, with Jesus. Hmm. Um, so. And it was really kind of with my wife um, who encouraged me in this because it wasn't something I grew up with a lot. Um, but learning to understand my money as not being my money, but that everything I have, my money, my time, my life, uh, really belongs to God, and I'm simply managing that while I'm here, and that uh, when I die, um, two things will happen. One is all my stuff will go back in the box and go to somebody else, <laughs> um, and then B, um, I'll, I'll be judged you know, according mm-hmm. to the parable of the talents. Uh, Jesus says you're going to be judged basically on what, what you do with what I've given you. When I learned to become generous, it really did completely change my outlook on my life. It changed my outlook on my faith. It changed my outlook on how I use everything. And my favorite thing to do now is to is to give my money and to give my life away, and it gives it gives a certain lightness to my life and gives a joy that is indescribable because we as Americans we're so attached to our stuff, <laughs> uh, we have so much stuff, and the more stuff that you have, actually the more your stuff owns you, you don't own your stuff. Yeah, you become a slave why, to it. You do, and that's why Jesus spent more time talking about money than anything else. That was the mm-hmm. number one topic that he talked about. And, it, and it's because of that. He knows that the greatest competitor that he has for our hearts is our stuff. We just become mm-hmm. a slave to it. 
Yeah, I look around and, um, you know, I, I live in a small town um, in northeastern Orlando area. And, you know, we have these storage units going up yep. everywhere and you see them all over. And it's like, you know, if it doesn't fit at our house and, and not that there aren't legitimate reasons for putting something in storage temporarily, you know, but I just think about it. And I think how it's just increasingly more the norm that you're not getting rid of it or when you're downsizing it, you're just you're just moving it and you're holding on to it and it's serving no purpose for anyone, at, let alone you, you know. But um, but it, it really does, um, it feeds this consumer culture, you know, that we have. And you, you've made a, a statement that I just loved. You said, learning to give generously has helped me detach from things and attach more to God. Um, and really, in essence, that's a, a trust exercise, right? It really is an exercise in faith. I mean, you think about the you think about the manna uh, in the Old Testament and the people of Israel being hungry, and God says, "I'll take care of that. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you manna every day, and I want you to you know to trust me. I'm going to feed you every day. So don't try to store it up. Don't create a store. Don't create a warehouse. Um, don't try to hoard it. And what do they do? First day gives them the manna. They start to hoard it um, <laughs> because they don't trust that he's going to give it to them the next day. And so all the manna turns into worms because he's trying to teach them the lesson. I'm going to provide for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more you worry about providing and taking care of yourself, uh, the the less you're going to trust me. And so really, it has been a great exercise for me in terms of faith and trust for God's provision and, and just that, that God will, will not abandon us. Hmm. We are a stiff-necked people. I have to say, I, yeah, I, I love... I, am. I don't want to tell you that you are, but I am. <laughs> well, I know I am. I know I am, too. I'm very stubborn. So, And, and it yeah. is. It's hard to let go. You know, it, yeah. it just is. So without giving away the mission, can you briefly touch upon each of those habits for us? The number one habit is, um, a comm- you know, we say it's prayer, but it's really actually not prayer. It's commitment to a daily routine of prayer, hmm. um, because all of us say that we pray, but a lot of us have you know the, this sporadic prayer life where we pray every once in a blue moon. But what really is transformational is to is to have a, a daily routine of prayer, even if it's a three minute conversation with God, having that consistent daily routine. Second one is study. You know, Saint Paul says in his letter to the Romans to be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Hmm. And we have so many messages coming at us every day. And if we're going to live out the will of God and, and live with the mind of Christ, studying Catholicism, studying the genius of, of our faith, studying the scriptures, reading good Catholic books, listening to good Catholic podcasts, good Catholic radio, um, taking those th- those thoughts and the way of thinking of God into our minds transforms us. Generosity, we just talked about. And then evangelization is basically it's the law of the harvest, which if you want more of something in your life, start giving it away. So if you mm-hmm. want more love in your life, start giving love away, and the love will multiply in your life. Well, same thing's true for your faith. If you want more faith, begin giving your faith away, and watch as your faith abounds and multiplies in your life. So mm-hmm. it, it's going it, it's to be, it's a really fun event, Glenda, and there's a lot of humor, there's a lot of fun, but it's very intentional in helping people to, to select the one habit to begin building in their lives. Well, I love it, and we are looking forward to your coming. Um, it's just a wonderful subject matter. And I want to add that, you know, all of these four principles really came as the fruit of those years of studying and of research and looking at, you know, what was the commonality between the that 7% of Catholics that are really engaged in the church and evangelizing and in all the ministries and 
Um, you know, and so this is this is proven. This is something yeah. that uh, it, it works. Something to really give us food for thought to maybe, as you said, choose one during Lent to work on and focus on, and an area in which we can strengthen our relationship with God and increase those uh, mosaic of God encounters, as you say. Yeah, and you know, as you said, I mean, we we studied the data from hundreds of parishes across the country, and then did. 2,978 one-on-one face-to-face interviews. So okay. there's a lot of a lot of study, a lot of research and data behind this. Um, so it's not just me getting up and giving opinions. It's sharing. Okay, this is a proven path, and let me help you. Let me help you get on it because it really will change your life. Hmm. And as I like to say, life-changing events tend to be life-changing. Absolutely. Well, and I don't want to give it away, but I know I saw even on the website you have a little quiz where we can kind of see where we're where we fall in which area. But I'm, I'm, I'll leave that up to you to share. Um, tell our listeners how we can reach out to you and follow you on Facebook or any other social media you may have. Yeah, actually, you know, um, I gave up Facebook a number of years ago, and so I only <laughs> do Instagram now. I'm all about pictures. That's no all political good. opinions, no uh, no rants <laughs> and raves, just happy pictures. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Allen Hunt, is Dr. Allen Hunt is, uh, is, is my handle or my tag or my name, whatever you want to call it on Instagram. Uh, and same thing for Dynamic Catholic. You can find, obviously, Dynamic Catholic, there's dynamiccatholic.com, and then we, you can follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at Dynamic Catholic. Love, love interacting with people and, and hearing their stories and, and trying to encourage one another. Wonderful. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Hunt. You bet. God bless you, Glenda. Thank you. Join Dr. Hunt as he shares how to find your greatness at St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Apopka, Friday, February 22nd, 6.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. And St. Vincent de Paul Parish in Wildwood, Saturday, February 23rd, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Thanks for listening to Light of Christ.